You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. Father, that we could come boldly before your throne of grace and, and to obtain mercy and help in a time of need. Father, we want to lift up uh, these families to you who are struggling amongst our own congregation, that you would continue to lift them up, to heal them, Father, to touch them. You are the great physician. Lord, we place them before your throne of grace, and, and we lift up our dear brother Joe Attilis. Father, as he is now placed on the respirator, Father, that you would be meeting with him, Lord, that you would be having sweet fellowship with him, that you would be touching his body as it rests, Father God, and that we would hear great testimony and healing in this man's life. And we pray for Tina and the girls, that you would give them peace and their son, that they would have peace in the midst of this, knowing they can trust and lean on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, so... um, do you want to sit or should we keep you standing? Ah. All right, let's, let's go ahead and, and have a stand. We're going to read uh, just a few verses here before we get started. Uh, we're looking in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verses 11 through 13, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about where we're going to focus on this morning. But let's go ahead and read. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh... Who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that we could come to you this morning, and Lord, that we can hear from your word. And Father, we pray that as we open up this text and as you speak to our hearts, Father, that you, through the Spirit of God, would move us and um, help us know, Father, what it is that you want each of us to know from this. But more, more than that, Father, that we would understand more and more of who you are and your love for us. So we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, so go ahead, and you can have a seat now. So the text that we're dealing with this morning, we're going to stay mostly um, out of verse 13. And next week, Pastor Mike is going to be preaching, and he's going to take a little bit more of the context of those verses and the beauty of their meaning. Uh, But I want to focus in on what verse 13 talks about. So, but now in Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And and as I was thinking about this, I was remembering a time that I lived in Staten Island. I lived in Staten Island just for a short time uh, when Michael was born and my wife is from there. So I used to travel there even before Uh, to visit her, and then because of the proximity to New York City, we would travel into New York from Staten Island. And and, and I can't help but remember getting on that highway where the Verrazano Bridge is. You guys know where that is, right? And and, and really in the distance, as you get on the highway, you could see the Verrazano Bridge. Way off, way afar, it's up there. And, and as you're sitting there in traffic and, and waiting, it seems like it's forever to get there, and you're crawling, and you're getting closer, and you're getting closer, um, swearing you'll never do this again because of the traffic trying to get in. And, and way far off, you see that bridge. Way far off. 
But as you get closer, it gets closer and gets closer. Next thing you know, you're on the bridge and you're crossing the bridge and things seem pretty good then. You're like, well, I'll do this again. No problem. Right. Um, But the bridge that was far off was now brought near through our driving, right? Through our patience, through all those things. Well, um, the idea here that Paul is talking about, this being far off is nothing like that bridge. Because what Paul is saying is those who are far off, far away, are actually not drawing any nearer by their own efforts, by their own works, by, by driving, by, by any attempt that we may make to cross or get near that bridge that's far off in our own effort, we'll never get there. And not only will we never get there, nobody will even take us there. We don't have a car to get there. Uh, we don't even have legs to walk there when it comes to the Scripture. Nobody will pick us up and carry us because if you look at the verses before that, it talks about having no hope without God in this world. There is nothing in this world that's going to bring us near to that bridge. And that bridge is that bridge to eternity that crosses over between man and God. There is nothing in this world that will ever bring us near to that. And what I want to focus on this morning, uh, for those of us who know Christ, is a celebration and a remembrance of what this is. And not only a remembrance of what this is, but that it would inspire us to do something about it, to recognize really what we have been given, that we've been brought near, those who were far have been brought near by no effort of our own, but by the blood of Christ, by the blood of Christ, the only way. And and as I was looking at this text and looking at the idea of the distance that there is between man and God, that distance that can't be bridged by our own efforts, I started thinking about, well, what led us to that distance? What, what happened in mankind that brought us to this place of being far away from God? You know, from the creation, God had made man to be near him. So what takes place that then brings us far away? And if you go back a little bit in the same chapter, The problem is very clear. It starts in the beginning of chapter 2. Because it says in the beginning of chapter 2, And you he made alive who were dead. You he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. So here's the problem. This is what brings us far away from God, is that without Christ, we are dead, dead in our trespasses and sins. And for those of you here, and I know most of you that have accepted Christ as your Savior, I want us to think about that and meditate on it and remember, we were once dead. And because of that, we were separated from God. That's the problem. That's the problem. Death separated from God. I mean, the scripture teaches it, right? We hear it all over the place. Um, 
for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, uh, for the wages of sin is death. I mean, we hear this message over and over again, but what does this message do in our hearts? One, if we don't know Christ as our Savior, it should wake us up and start thinking, but those of us who know Christ, when we hear this message, we should be waking up to our responsibility, to our responsibility as Christians, to our responsibility to help mankind bridge that gap through the message of the gospel, through the message of the gospel. You know, I was talking to Pastor Mikey this morning, and and we were just talking about the idea that that there is a battle raging for the hearts and the souls of mankind. We see it every day. We see it in the news. We see it everywhere we go. There is a battle raging for the hearts and the souls of mankind. And we are here, supposedly part of the battle, fighting the battle. You know, I was thinking back the time I was speaking to a young man, but well, probably not that young. He was probably in his, probably my age when I was younger. So I don't know if you call that young or not, but somewhere in that range, probably in early 40s, I'd say, at the time. And I remember talking to him and, and presenting the gospel to him and sharing the message of salvation. And, and he intently listening with a strange look on his face as he was looking at me. And, and I paused and I let him keep that look on his face. And, and I asked him, what's going on? And he said, you know, what's happening right now is I feel like somebody's fighting for me. I feel like the devil's on one side of me and God's on the other side, and they're both fighting over me right now, and I don't know how to think. And and, and I thought that was a very astute observation of what was taking place in this man's life, that there was a battle raging for his soul. The enemy didn't want him to listen, to hear the gospel message. He wanted him to go on to live his own life in this faraway state from God. And yet the Holy Spirit of God was wooing him and drawing him to himself. The battle was raging in this man's life. Another gentleman I was talking to, I remember out in Lakewood. And this was a very vivid image for me at the time. Uh, We were sharing the gospel out in the street and, and we had a group of people, men surrounding us. As we were preaching the gospel and sharing, we were giving them the food and, 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 and partaking that way as well. But as I'm preaching the gospel, I see this one man off in the distance. And he's standing there, and he's watching, and he's watching, and he's watching, but he's not drawing near. He's not coming anywhere closer than, let's say, the back of the church. So as he's continuing to listen to this message, we go through the message, we go through the gospel, uh, present it to the men and pray for them, and after the message, I go, and the man is still standing there. So I walk over to him. His name was Thomas. I walk over to him, and I asked him, "Um, what's going on? Why don't you come close? Why didn't you step forward? And he said, you know, um, I wanted to. I heard what you were saying. I wanted to step forward, but something wouldn't let me. I couldn't get my feet to go any closer. In fact, I wanted to run away but I stayed there. And I got a chance to share with him, and he was um, bound in alcohol, and he had just got out of prison, and and he was trying to get on his feet, but he didn't know what to do at this point, and he was running away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only thing that would have brought him near unto God, he was looking to run away from. Why? 
because there was a battle raging for his soul, a battle raging for his heart. And listen, that battle is a very real battle. We see it day in and day out. We see it all around us, whether we recognize it or we don't. The spiritual world all around us is raging. And we as believers have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to share the gospel message right here to help them understand to help them understand what we see here in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We're here as believers in Christ with a responsibility to share this gospel message. And not to get um, heavy or anything on you, but when's the last time you shared the gospel? How about this week? Did you tell anybody about Jesus? Two weeks, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Some yes, some no. Listen, each one of us has a responsibility to help share this gospel message. You know, when when you look at this distance again, you say, how did mankind get so far away from God? How did mankind get so far away from God? Well, we see here, how did mankind become dead in their trespasses and sins. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I never tire of reading this scripture because it's a reminder of who we were and a reminder of God's incredible grace and mercy. Starting in chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, you may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why did they hide themselves there? Go ahead, honey. Yeah, because they weren't supposed to eat the fruit of the tree. They sinned. At that moment, they disobeyed God. Death came into the world. Death came into the world. So, so the problem here now becomes that mankind is dead in their sins and trespasses. If we look at Ephesians again, going back in chapter 2, I'm reading just a little bit further on. 
It says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, there's the battle that's raging, the spirit who now works and the sons of disobedience, again, the enemy battle raging against mankind, the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves, we were there once before throughout Christ, in the lust of our own flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, talking about the sin nature, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. In other words, children deserving the wrath of God. Because of the sin nature, because of what took place in the garden, because of one man's disobedience that was passed on to all, because of that sin nature, then God's response to that sin nature was his wrath. And we see that right clearly in the scripture. Because of the sin nature of man, God's response to that is his wrath. And that, that's a pretty um, sobering thought. Because if it's not for us any longer, by the grace of God, we are no longer standing under that wrath. Can we all say amen to that? Because of our own sinful nature, though, we are not under that wrath because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But the sobering thought is this. How many people do you know that are still under that wrath? They're under the wrath of God. And for whatever reason, God has entrusted us to be vessels to help them see that they're under his wrath, to bring this message of grace and forgiveness, the message of the cross, the message of his blood to others. So recognizing that the problem is man is dead and their trespasses and sin, what can a dead man do? Yeah, nothing. What can a dead man do? Nothing. Dead and their trespasses and sins. And the response to that is God's wrath because of that sin. What can they do? Well, nothing. Nothing. But hey, those who have been made alive in Christ, alive, what can you do when you're alive? You could do many things, right? Many things. But we could also bring the message. We could bring this message. And what is this message? The message of hope. What is this message of hope? Keep going in. In the same passage of Ephesians 2, let's look down at verses 4 and 5. 4 and 5. So though the initial response to the sinful nature was God's wrath, that's his response, deservedly so, sinful nature deserves the wrath of God. The sinful nature deserves the wrath of God. Should I say it again? The sinful nature deserves the wrath of God. Look what God does here. In verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Even though we were dead, he made us alive. So here we go. Sinful nature deserving of the wrath of God. Rightly deserving of the wrath of God. But God, rich in mercy, his response to the sinful nature has now been grace. 
through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are recipients of that grace. We are recipients of that grace. We who were afar off with no hope, no way of drawing near, were brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, recipients of that grace. So what's our responsibility? You know, I I think of it this way, you know, let's say somebody put, I don't know, $10 million in your bank account, and they told you this, hey, I'm going to give you $10 million in your bank account, and I want you to go out to those who are needy, who are struggling, and I want you to share it with each one of those and help them, right? That's the pretty cool thing, right? But, But by not sharing the gospel, by not going out and sharing the incredible deposit of the Holy Spirit, in our lives that God has given us. That's like taking those $10,000 or $10 million, as I said, and and sitting on them and enjoying yourself, going on some vacations, having some good food. And in the midst of all the people in poverty surrounding you, doing absolutely nothing to help them. That's the same image. It's the same picture. And I think of that often. Our responsibility to the gospel of Jesus Christ Those of us who have been saved, we have a responsibility to go out and share the message of hope and the gospel. You know, um, as I was thinking about uh, this message and really of what to share and how to share it, I I wanted to present uh, a way of showing and sharing the gospel that was taught to me many, many years ago. Uh, I would say over 30, yeah, probably 30 years ago by a pastor Um, that was very, very clear in helping us understand this separation that mankind is living under. I'm going to show you these two things here. This is just a book. It's got a dark cover. So I want you to think of this book and the darkness of this cover as representing the darkness of our sin. This is the darkness of our sin. And and I want you to look at this nice white piece of paper, and we're going to look at this as representing the holiness and the purity of God, the righteousness of God. So here's here's the issue. Here's, Here's God in his righteous place, his holiness, his purity, and here is man with their sinfulness, separated from God, a gulf exists that'll never be bridged, far away from access to God. The scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, never able to bridge that gap on their own. And furthermore, because of this sinful nature, we, mankind, is condemned. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what does that mean? Ultimately, that means this, is that here is God in his pureness and his holiness demonstrating his love for mankind and that he leaves his throne. God so demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He leaves his throne. He comes down to earth. He lives a perfect sinless life. Doesn't deserve to go to the cross. The wages of sin is death. He does not sin. He does not deserve death, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He comes He goes to the cross, and he dies. He sheds his blood. He sheds his blood. 
because he loves us, because he loves us, then we have an opportunity. We have a response as people who are dead in our trespasses and sins. Those of us who are dead in our trespasses and sin, for the wages is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of life is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what does that look like? So here, sinful us, with no way of getting to heaven. Here's uh, the pure blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his love for us. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The Bible also says that um, if we believe, if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. So we recognize all those beautiful scriptures of salvation. When we accept Christ, when we call upon Christ as our Lord and Savior, this is a transaction that takes place, is all of a sudden... Christ, the blood of Jesus, his purity, his righteousness, covers over our sin. No longer does God look upon man and the darkness of their sin, but he looks upon Christ and his sacrifice and the purity. That way, when mankind or man dies from this position in Christ, brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, when we die, we have access to the Father and go to heaven, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. The gospel message. See, we have a responsibility to share that message with others, to share that message of hope so that we can give them that hope that comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, again, if you don't understand what it means to know Christ as your Savior, if you've never accepted that exchange, that sacrifice, if you've never confessed your sins before him, the Bible is very clear that you are dead in your trespasses and sins with no hope and no access to God and never will have access to God unless you turn to Jesus Christ. For the Bible says when Jesus responds, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no access to God. There is no access to God without Jesus Christ to bridge the gap. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and you've never made that decision, um, I don't know how strong to plea with you or to um, tell you that uh, without Christ, you will find yourself in eternity separated from God forever with no hope. But in Christ, you have hope. And if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you confess your sins, he will forgive you your sins once and for all and give you the free gift of eternal life. Guys, this is the message that we need to be sharing. Listen, for me, the gospel message never gets old. Uh, for, uh, unfortunately, if you guys invite me to preach, I'm always going to preach the gospel message. Why? It never gets old to me. It never gets old. I'm encouraged every time I hear it. Because it reminds me of who I was and where I'm not going anymore because of his grace. And that motivates me to tell other people. Why should I keep $10 million in my bank account when my neighbor's starving? Why should I do that? How can I call myself a Christian if I keep $10 million in my bank account and don't help those who are starving? Right? By the same token, how do we call ourselves followers, disciples of Jesus Christ and not share his gospel message with people around us. How do we do that in good conscience when we have been saved? 
not by any of our own efforts, not because we were patient, not because we go to church, not because we're good people, not because we help others, because the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But Jesus Christ, by his grace and his mercy and his blood, saved us. Not because we deserved it, but because he loved us. So there's lots of undeserving folk out there. Right? There are friends, there are neighbors, there are family members. We have a responsibility to share this gospel message. So if anything this morning, if I leave you with anything, two things. One, here's a simple way to share it. A simple, easy way to share the gospel message with others. But the other thing I leave you with, it's our responsibility. If, if you feel burdened, if you feel like, um, oh, gee, I, don't, I wish he wasn't saying these things to me. That's a good thing. I feel burdened all the time, too. I look at myself at times, and I'm not sharing the gospel message like I should. I'm going about my business. I'm busy. I got things to do. In the meantime, I got people on the side over here that are dying of starvation. They need the gospel, right? When do we as believers get serious? When do we really get serious about sharing the gospel message? When does it become so important to us that it should be the most important thing we share with anybody else anywhere? Um, that's what it's like. I I don't know about you guys. I'm not there yet. But listen, I want people to keep telling me. I want to keep hearing it. I don't want to forget. And I don't want to forget what he did for me. Because I know who I was. I know who I was before. And I don't deserve his grace. I certainly didn't deserve his forgiveness. But he did it anyway. Right? That's a message we have to carry. That's a message we have to carry to others. A living hope. You know, this, this week I was listening to that one song by, um, I forget, the, I'm not, I don't know a lot of musician names and stuff, but um, Living Hope. And it says, how great the chasm that lies between us. How high the mountain that we can't climb. Right? This idea, we can't get there, guys. I mean, the fact that we're sitting in church and we accepted Christ as our Savior, we're not here because of anything we did. You know, we didn't deserve it. We're just here because he loved us. And we need to be that reflection of love. We have to. We have to. If we're ever going to accomplish the mission that he's given us, we have to put our desires, our thoughts aside, the things that we want to pursue, and start pursuing hard after him. That we can share this gospel message, not just in, 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 in word, but it's got to be something that's coming from our hearts because we recognize our responsibility. Has the gospel changed your life? How many could say the gospel has changed your life? Well, that's the change he wants for all lives. But like I said, he gave us the responsibility. Not just the preachers, not just the pastors. He called all of us as believers to be responsible, to be part of that army that goes out and shares his glorious message with others. So can we do that, guys? Can we do business in our hearts and commit ourselves that we have to understand and recognize that this is the most important task we have as Christians, the most important thing we can do. It's beautiful to feed people. It's beautiful to help people. But the gospel message is the most important thing we could share with somebody. We need to commit ourselves to that. It needs to be drilled into our brains over and over and over again because it's not just about hearing. It's about doing It's not about hearing, it's about doing, and doing the work that he has before us. Doing the work. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you 
We thank you for your sacrifice. I know, Father, oftentimes we take it for granted. We take for granted our own salvations. And, Father, um, as for myself, I'll confess as well, we live sometimes selfishly, uh, thinking about our own needs, about what we need to do, and forgetting about the mission that you called us to. Father, that you have called us to come alongside, to be co-laborers with you, Father, that our lives would live in such a fashion that others would come to know you. Lord, that you've planted us in circles of influence and friends and neighbors and families and communities so that we would share your gospel message. Father, please help us. Father, bind the enemy in the name and through the blood of your son Jesus from blinding our eyes at times and leading us astray. And Father, help us as a church and as individuals to commit to share this gospel message and to never forget what you've done for us, Lord, what you've done for us, that you paid the ultimate sacrifice, not because we deserved it, but because you loved us. Father, drive this deep into our hearts, Lord. May we not leave this place unchanged. May we leave with the resounding message in our brains that says we are called to responsibility to share the gospel message when we walk out those doors. Father, we praise you. We thank you for who you are, Lord. And as we stand and worship you and praise you, let us do so in a fashion that, that, that brings you to that place of majesty that you are, Lord. We need you so desperately and we need your help. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.